Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Thursday, October the 26th, uh, getting closer to Halloween every uh, single day. Today, we'll be chatting with our friend George Rodriguez in South Texas. George, hello. Welcome. Thank you. How are you doing? Pretty good. A little pre-Halloween salute. Yeah. What are you... What are you planning to dress up as, George? Any any uh, political thoughts? No, I was uh, I was actually you know thinking of going like maybe uh, John uh, uh, Schumer or maybe Pelosi, but I'm not sure yet. All right, I I, I think I'm going to dress myself as an election denier. There you go. And and I am going to dress up like Hakeem Jeffries, <laughs> uh, the new member of the the Democrat leader in the House. And I am going, since he was a big election denier, I thought I would dress up uh, like him. But yes, happy Halloween, uh, early happy Halloween to you. Is is it very big? I mean, I, I, you know, for you and I, it was big at one time, I guess, at least when, when I was uh, younger, we came to the United States. And then, of course, when we had sons. But in San Antonio, do a lot of kids go out? Actually, not like it used to. No, it isn't. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's... Uh... Uh, there are a lot of parties. There are definitely right. a lot of parties. There's parties going Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then I think on on the 31st there'll probably be some some parties. But there's a, a lot of parties going on this weekend. Well, what is interesting up here is in our neighborhood there are some little kids that come out. They, you still get maybe like maybe yeah. 10, 10 who come out. But what is becoming more and more popular here is that the churches. Yes, are, are holding like yes. uh, on the weekends right before, like on the Saturday night right before. They have big Halloween parties where a lot of the kids come and, and there's all kinds of gifts for them, cookies and treats and all of that. And I think a lot of parents, and I don't blame them, you know, a lot of parents are just concerned about knocking on doors. Yeah, because you just you just don't know who's going to put a I candy agree. in you. And people you know, are not very welcoming nowadays because uh, they're they are afraid of. Um, they are they are afraid of uh, of vandalism. Right. Uh, a lot of neighborhoods are just not very very friendly anymore. Right. So um, you know you've got to um, uh, you know it, it's sad. It's a sign of the times, but at the same time, it's still evolving. Right. What's interesting, I remember when we first came to the United States that the trick or treating would actually go on till ten ten thirty at night, uh, but that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. It seems like more and more, the trick-or-treating is over by 8 o'clock. Uh, at least that's uh, the way it's been around here. Uh, but I like the idea of, like, I remember one time when one of the shopping centers had, was open for Halloween and the kids would go all around the shopping center and the stores would give them candy. I thought that yes. was kind of cool. Yes, I thought that was, yeah. yeah. They, they used to do that here too. But I think that the biggest fear that people have is losing control of the environment that's you, know, it. you just that don't know it. especially in today's uh grab and run yes uh, and, and just you know, i mean got. it's not uh i mean you know it, it's 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 a sad commentary on the times that's it, what is. it is it is it used to be that you kind of knew everybody behind that door well you knew everybody in your neighborhood yeah but that's but not really the you. case anymore <laughs> also the other thing too that i think perhaps as an influence on this, is that at least when we were growing up, there were lots of kids of the same age yes. on the street. I know when my sons were little, there were like maybe 8 to 15 kids on our street the same age or roughly the same age. 
So we knew who they were playing with all the time. They play in the neighborhood, on the street all the time. We knew the houses where these kids lived. So there was a greater sense of, you felt more control over what would happen that day. But today, you know, yeah, honestly. Well, here on my block, uh, here on my block, I'm not sure that there's anybody under uh, 18 anymore. Right. I don't well, think that, there is anybody on, under 18. That, that is true. That, that, is, that is also a sign of the times. Well, we have a, and you mentioned this, uh, that we have a new, you wrote the, uh, about this in your blog, that we, we have a new Speaker of the House. But before before I do, I just wanted to, to briefly go back this week, just a brief uh, going back into this day in history thing. 40 years ago this week, Grenada happened. And for those who, who don't remember what that was, Grenada is a little island in the Caribbean. It's actually closer to Venezuela and to the Panama Canal than it is to, to the United States. But it was it had become a little communist country. And they had a communist leader there who had become very close to Castro in Cuba. And they were developing uh, strong diplomatic ties. And Cuba was sending soldiers to Grenada. And this week in 1983, President uh, Reagan decided to take out the, the communist leader and install uh, whoever the civilian was at the time. It was a lady, if I remember. So, but that all, the importance of it all was the fact that this little island, Grenada, would turn into a very important strategic airport or runway for Soviet MiGs who could land there and hit the Panama Canal uh, pretty quickly. So that was the strategic value of it. Reagan saw this, he took them out. We don't think about this stuff anymore, but this is 40 years later. That was a very important thing 40 years ago. Uh, George, do you remember anything being there in the oh, White House? Definitely, definitely. Uh, I remember there was a great deal of fear and trepidation. Yeah, that's the word that I will use, trepidation. A lot of people were freaked out that we were going to take action, uh, particularly over what they kept saying was an insignificant island. Um, never mind that it had strategic uh, value. Uh, you know, and again, it to me, it reflects... Uh, whether or not uh, the United States takes a posture of uh, strength or one of, uh, you know, well, let's wait and see, which in my opinion quite often can be damaging. Uh, we saw what, uh, what um, the reason that the Reagan, uh, that, that President Reagan was elected in the first place was because of the wait and see policies that Carter had uh, instituted uh, when, he was, uh, when he was president. Uh, four years before, uh, it, 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 you know, the action that um, that President Reagan took were, was decisive and proper. And, uh, of course, everybody was Monday, Monday morning quarterbacking afterwards and, and agreeing that it was the right thing to do. Right. But, uh, you know, I mean, there, I remember that there was a lot of fear uh, about well, what it would provoke and how yeah. it would look more than how it looked bullying right. a small country. That's right. A lot of that was the Vietnam syndrome, I think, Yes, that we were still infected by that Vietnam sy syndrome. And this is one one small uh, step that was taken to put that behind us. Um, so I but I but I, I do think that it turned out to be good. It was very good. It was very good. And uh, I remember here in Dallas going to a speech that Secretary of State Schultz gave. I think it was in 85. 
and he was talking about Grenada. Somebody asked him about it. So he put on the map on for on like a big screen. He put on the map uh, where Grenada was and where the Panama Canal was. And he said a Soviet MiG could take off from Grenada and hit the Panama Canal. And it was not that long of a, of a ride. I mean, not that long of a flight, maybe a couple hours or whatever. So it had a lot of strategic value. And I think Reagan saw that and correctly changed the situation. And I think it's another another example of his leadership, his vision uh, in exactly. doing this. I mean, it was strength. It was, it was peace through strength. Right. And, um, you know, he flexed his muscles again a few months later when he shot down two, um, uh, two uh, Libyan MiGs uh, over the Mediterranean and then sh uh, bombed Gaddafi's um, uh, uh, tent. And uh, again, that sent a message. And if you recall, Gaddafi was very, very quiet That's for right. a long, long time after that. Yeah, I think they almost got Gaddafi that night. Yeah, they did. They almost I did. I mean, they came really good. I mean, Gaddafi, Gaddafi was lucky. Something, he must have walked away or something five minutes before to go get some Diet Coke or something because they almost hit him. I mean, they hit the, they hit the place where he was supposed to be, but he wasn't there at the time. But, yeah, I mean, that was that's, you know, strength. Which caused, him, which caused him a lot of concern because, obviously, somebody on the inside told him where he was. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure, yeah, that's right. I mean, we knew where he was and we almost got him. So I guarantee you that Gaddafi had some real concern about who he was having coffee with after that, after that incident. Well, uh, getting back to the big story here in the last couple of days, uh, a new speaker for the house. I've said before that I, I thought this whole thing was unnecessary. Frankly, I thought it was a self-inflicted wound. I, I hope that Speaker Johnson is good. He probably will be good. But I I thought the Republicans kind of, they really didn't need to do this. That's my opinion. They, they fumbled did. it. They fumbled they it. And I, now, you know, I think Johnson is going to be a good speaker. We'll see. I'm very, I'm very hopeful with him. I, um, uh, one of the things that he did today was cancel the vacations, which uh, had been extended to seven weeks, and he's cut it back to four. So, the vacation for, for for the house for the house okay well so that's not a bad move. now you know they're going to have to work right well they've they've got some big deal i mean the, the, some big deals happening here because yeah. they've got to take care of the budget is, they've got to take care of uh of israel and and uh this, uh this and and ukraine they've got to do several things well also the 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 money request from the white house also includes uh, money for the border, but it's not really for the border. No, it's to facilitate once people cross over. Yes. And so I think we need to, you know, we need to have a debate about all these things. I mean, we need to have a debate when you spend that kind of money. We need to have an open and honest debate. That's and true. sometimes the Congress is not doing that anymore. They just, you know, they're just kind of going. Well, they play to the cameras too much. Yes. Well, we need to have a serious debate. I mean, is, is this money being well invested in Ukraine? Or well, the other thing is how they package it. Right. Uh, the, the situation con constantly is one where uh, things are bundled. And uh, what we're looking at right now was uh, the bundling of assistance of, uh, of money for Israel with uh, assistance for Ukraine. Uh, that was one of the things that many, many of the conservative uh, Republican congressmen were balking at. The other thing is that it also did not contain very much money for to do any kind of enforcement along right. the border. Right. 
uh, it was all for humanitarian aid, which was later, which was going to be going to the nonprofit organizations, which in turn uh, also was going to be used by the cities. So, right. you know, this unbundling has to right. occur. No, and, and that's and my my view is that there should be three different votes. Yes. On these three things. We should vote on Ukraine, one thing, Israel, another. And, and let's have a debate about uh, the money for the border. But if we're just going to give money to the cities, well, that's not going to fix the problem because they, then they're not addressing the problem. If, all, if, if we just give them money, they're not addressing the problem. That's right. And uh, so so I, I think it should be three different votes and three different debates. And we everybody a, should be on record. We have a lot of so-called nonprofits. So we right. have a lot of so-called so nonprofits who are making a lot of money from uh, this sit the, the the situation that we got at the border. Um, I uh, a friend of mine just did a uh, freedom of freedom of information request of some of the nonprofits and some of the CEOs of the uh, non of these nonprofits are making as much as nine hundred thousand dollars a salary. Now, what is so uh, ironic, what is so hypocritical is that uh, in the same breath that, that uh, the Democrats are giving money to these nonprofits, they are also uh, complaining about uh, CEOs of, uh, of uh, private industry uh, getting high uh, salaries. Well, I got news for you. The ones in, in, in the private industry are at least producing something. Right. What are these nonprofits pr producing other than more poverty? That's right. No, you're exactly right. And, and you know, we need to have a discussion about the border for another reason. I just saw an article today, and I'm posting about it tomorrow. And that article explains how somebody goes from Haiti to the United States. You go from Haiti to Nicaragua, actually to Cuba first, and then from Cuba to Nicaragua. And these are not, these are not uh, public flights. These are special flights. In other words, these are not uh, commercial flight. It's not like Eastern Airlines or Southwest. These are private flights. Yes. And they come to Mexico and then from Mexico, from Nicaragua, they go to Mexico to the United States. Who's paying for it? it? Well, that's the point. It's costing from $3,000 to $5,000 a seat to be in one of these planes. Now, I don't look, I, I think I know pretty well what's happening in Cuba. I assume that it's pretty bad in Haiti too. It's always been I don't know too many Haitians or too many Cubans who can write a check for three thousand or five thousand dollars. I mean, it, it somebody's got to be paying for this, and it kind of leads me to another point, uh, George. I think what's going on is that many of these governments are sending people to the United yeah. States so that they can send remittances back. That's exactly right to that's their country, right. or at least they're hoping that they're, they're going. To be. Yeah, they're, that's what they're calculating. That's, we send you to the bank one because a lot of you, people are not bringing their families. Right. We send you to the United States and then you're sending remittances back right now. And the article that uh, that I wrote uh, or the article that I was linking to said that Mexico in 2022 got 61 billion dollars. That's outrageous. It is outrageous that, you know, they have a, an economy of slightly over one trillion dollar GDP. OK, so. $60 billion would be three, what, three, 4% of their economy? Yes. Three to 4% of their GDP. And it's greater for smaller countries like El Salvador, right. Nicaragua, Guatemala. Haiti, Guatemala, 
all of those, they get much more money. And now that you're in, you, you can include Somalia, you can include uh, uh, Nigeria, you, I mean, you can include all of these other countries that are also banking on that. It is right. outrageous. It is really ridiculous. And it, it's something that we need to do. We need to stop. Right. And I think that we, we just need to have a debate about this and, and tell these countries, look, you know, you're not sending people just because you need to get rid of them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're always we're all the United States is always going to be a noble country when it comes to asylum. And, you know, we will listen to your asylum. We become, request. An ATM. We always, we become the ATM of the world. Well, that's it. And, and, and it's like these these governments like Lopez Obrador in Mexico and Cuba and Nicaragua. And many of these countries, basically, they need the people who are in the United States to send money back. Right. To keep these, these countries flowing. They are dictatorships. That's right. the other thing. We are feeding dictatorships. That's we are right. Not no. feeding, uh, we are not feeding fledgling uh, republics or democracies. Right. No, it, it's, it's an incredible situation. And we need to have this uh, debate. Well, another big issue this week... Uh, well, getting back to the Speaker of the House, I think he will probably earn his salary here in the next 30 or 40 days. When Maybe in the do, next 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, when we do the budget, when the budget comes up. Because right now they passed one of these resolutions, and I think it comes up in the middle of November. So that's when I think you were going to see uh, what he's going to do. But we, we, we will – I think if he can get the – those three requests for money broken down into three things. That would be a big victory for me. Yes, it would. That would be that would be a victory. I'd be very happy. I think so, because then we can have debates about each one. Yeah. You know, for example, a lot of people talk about Ukraine. I'm not opposed to helping Ukraine, but we're sending a lot of money. And yeah. I don't seem to have any idea where the money goes. And the question continues to be, can they really win? Right. Can and, they really win? And, and, and it's like, you know, and it, you, you can say, well, I want to help them win. That's fine. I would like but, to. But there's a lot of questions that are not that I think need to be answered. Number one, are the other allies putting up money? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the other countries. NATO, that are, for example. Which one? NATO. NATO. Yeah. Are, is NATO putting up money? Are all the NATO countries putting up at least a, a relative or, or at least a proportionate? Obviously, they're smaller countries, some of them. But are they helping out? In, in a similar well, fashion. It, and the other thing, Silvio, is this whole thing of national energy, uh, in, in uh, American energy independence. We are so doggone dependent. Uh, we have become very, very tied to Saudi uh, uh, energy because we have limited our own and the Russians haven't done anything to limit theirs. I mean, they're they're pumping away and you know, while they're at the same time, they are undermining everybody else's markets. Right. And and China has continued to build power plants. Exactly. So they, they didn't get I mean, the time. I, I, that... I, you know, I the, the whole green movement seems to be about uh, uh, crippling America's uh, energy uh, independence rather than about cleaning up, uh, you know, what's happening in, in China or Russia. Well, they never. And this is the argument that I've always had with the climate change people. Why aren't you marching in front of the Chinese embassy? Exactly. I mean, that's where they need to be. If they're really interested in a clean, exactly. in clean environment, they need to be screaming. Anybody at China. that has ever been to China, to mainland China, <clears throat> to Shanghai, <throat> to uh, Beijing, 
I had an opportunity, again, with the Reagan administration to go once, and that was enough, uh, to the Soviet Union and, uh, and to, uh, to China. And let me tell you, my asthma and allergies were awful. Right. A lot of people have said that, what you just said. It is nasty. It is yeah, nasty. A lot of people have said that, that when they go to these, well, when especially now China, that it's really, uh, you know, the air pollution is just absolutely Incredible. awful. Well, one, one more point here, uh, George, this week, and that is the special session. They're debating school choice. There was a story in the Dallas Morning News this morning that there's there's kind of a you know an argument right now between the governor and some of the House members. The governor wants the vouchers. Some of the House members would like to have vouchers and also uh, more money for the teachers. I'm not opposed to more money for the teachers, but I don't know what that has to do with vouchers. Yeah, I, I don't see the connection. Well, there. Uh, again, I, I think what 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 the NEA, what the Te Texas State Teachers Association is trying to avoid, uh, they see the competition coming and um, they want to protect their members, uh, because obviously if uh, people start to leave certain uh, districts, then the teachers are not going to have work. They're going to have to leave, which means it's going to deplete the union. And, uh, you know, you've got the situation in Houston uh, where uh, there are uh, where the, the, the Houston Independent School District is under uh, under state supervision. And uh, definitely that's going to get impacted big time. We've got two uh, districts here in San Antonio that are being that are going to be impacted. And um, if they uh, continue, if, if, if vouchers are available people are going to exit those school districts. Right. And if they exit those school districts, what are you going to do with the teachers? Right. Now, we've got other situations already that are hurting. We've got the San Antonio School District, for example, that uh, because of just uh, uh, population, demographic changes, um, they're having to, to close down some schools. They're having to determine which buildings are going to be vacated. And uh, there's a big screaming going on from uh, liberals who say, no, you can't close down these buildings. Well, you know, why do you want to keep these buildings alive? Uh, it, why do you want to keep them occupied when there's nobody occupying them? Well, the answer, again, is because you have uh, the unions, you have union members that uh, cleaned those uh, uh, buildings. You have union members who... Uh, are the caretakers of those and, and if you close them down, where are they going to go? They're going to lose right. their job or you're going to have to move them? What are they going to I mean, uh, so much of it is just the unions, uh, the, the economics of the union. No, I agree. And what I find interesting is that the, the Democrats are wholeheartedly opposed to any kind of school choice. They're simply carrying the, the water for the unions. Well, on, what on surprised me, let me tell you uh, real yeah. quick, what has surprised me is the reaction of the, and we had spoken about it, we had spoken about it, um, is the reaction uh, of a lot of these small communities to fighting the idea of uh, school choice all of a sudden. I am really, I have been really, really sh shocked and surprised by some of these staunch, red, conservative communities all of a sudden uh, siding with, uh, with, with teachers unions. Right. Well, I think what's happening in many of those communities is they don't want to lose, you know, their local school because the school means a lot to the community and not just in terms of jobs, but in terms of 
of community pride and all of that, the Friday night football game. And you know what? They can keep those 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 uh, schools. Uh, I mean, the voucher doesn't stop, doesn't force you to walk away from those schools. In fact, I don't think the vouchers are going to have much of an impact in those small communities. I think I don't the voucher. I, I think the vouchers know, are. If that's the only school in the county, where where are you going to go? Exactly. I think the the support for vouchers or school choice is greater in the more suburban areas, where where parents are. In fact, parents are already. I mean, school choice is already underway. It's just that it's not formally called school exactly. choice. But when you have ten, you have empty schools in San Antonio in the San Antonio school district. Right. But you have, for example, in in right now in Texas, something like ten percent of the kids I've read are already doing homeschooling. Well, if you yeah. have that many kids already doing homeschooling, then the parents are telling you where their hearts are. Are the parents are telling you that they're willing to pay taxes? They have no choice but they're also willing to pay for their own kids' education. So the, you know, so it's already happening. School choice is already happening. It's just not called school choice. It's called homeschooling. Very notable, uh, well-known conservative commentator and writer, uh, Cal Thomas. Uh, That gentleman has been around forever. He is an institution of conservative writing. He's going to be here in San Antonio speaking about um, school vouchers because his granddaughter is uh, is trying to get on the board of uh, one of the school districts here. <laughs> and that board is fighting tooth and nail to keep her off. Uh, it's incredible. Right. No, and, and, you know, they're fighting for their jobs, their bureaucratic jobs in some cases. And, and I guess I understand that. But it's the parents. you got to think about the parents here. Yeah. The parents are the ones who will have the last say here. And I sincerely believe that it's going to happen. I think school choice is going to happen. Well, their the arguments can't hold water. Right. And I think the governor is committed to it. So he's going to figure out what he has to do, I think, to bring on board some of these uh, smaller districts. But when you look at what's happening in public education, I mean, in some ways, not so much in Texas, but across the country, when you see some of these school districts, uh, you know, I, I, I heard this yesterday, George. It's, it's, this is really incredible. In, the, in New York City public schools, 36% of the kids are chronically absent. Yeah. I mean, th- these kids, they're not going to school regularly. What are the parents? Where are the Where parents are the of parents? these kids? Exactly. Where are the parents? Three, 36% of the kids are chronically absent. They're absent. I wonder why society has the problems that it does. Yes. And then you go to Chicago and you see more and more schools graduating kids who can Or you go to Baltimore or you go to Baltimore where none of the kids in the Baltimore school district can do math at their level. Right. So, I mean, you see this. And again, these are extreme examples. This is not Texas we're talking about. But you look at the the other day and a very interesting story that I learned the other day. I was talking to to this lady and we were talking about public education and she mentioned that her sister had just left her job as a public school teacher and went to a private school for less money, okay, for less money. And I said, well, why did you do that? And she said, well, because she cannot handle the discipline yeah. problems yes. in public schools. Exactly. has nothing to do, I mean, she's just it's as committed. for her. <laughs> yes. You know, she's just as committed to education as she ever was. She's committed to the students, but she said some of these students, they don't have discipline. They don't respect you as a teacher. The parents are apparently not involved or don't care. 
and, and the administration defend the yeah. or and the administration they're just too busy giving you paperwork and and you're sitting there saying hey you know this is crazy so she's going she went to a a, a christian private school and she's very happy because she's teaching again how do you like that and the she's kids teaching again and the kids if there's a problem it gets fixed so it's i it's think it's going to happen it's their own pro it's their own fault yes in the name of diversity in the name of equity in the name of uh fairness they have crippled themselves that's right and and they've lost the parents and they've lost the parents and the parents are the ones who pay the bills um i was i was heavily criticized at one um meeting um last year when i asked the question of what you know why should I be paying my local taxes if, number one, I don't use the school system? And number two, uh, the school system is out of control. And then I further asked, you know, what do you do with uh, with students that want to learn but can't because the teacher is too busy uh, handling those that don't want to? And people no, I mean, about those questions. And <laughs> I'm, sure they, I'm sure they were freaking out when you asked those questions. But... <laughs> Well, but I there's did, something, you know, there's something and I don't know at what point we went wrong. But when I was in school, we I'm not saying that I liked every teacher, but I knew there would be consequences. Exactly. You know, exactly. And, and when my kids were in school, they understood that there'd be consequences. I was afraid to get to school late. Right. And, you know, my kids understood that if they came home and they were criticizing a teacher that we would we wouldn't just buy their story. We want to know we what the heck, it. what was the teacher's point of view here? What did you do? So that oh, attitude of- I hated of, that question. What did you do? Exactly. But that, that whole, you know, that whole attitude about discipline, somewhere along the line, it went wrong. Somewhere along the line, we got off the track and we started tolerating these, these this lack of discipline in schools. And I, I'll tell you what, I feel bad for the teachers. We lowered the standards. We sure rather did. Rather than raised them for those people that want, for those people that we wanted equal rights for, instead of raising them, we lowered the um, the standard. Right. And and I, I agree. And my feeling has always been, how are we helping kids? I mean, we have to think of these kids as the future. How are we creating a future when our kids are graduating totally unprepared totally for the future. If you cannot read and write at a 12th grade level, you're not going to do real well in life unless you go into the drug deals or unless you win the lottery or unless you marry a rich person. That's it. I don't know how else you're going to, because you cannot, if you cannot do math or reading at that level, what job are you going to get? I mean, any job would require at least a high school degree, some basic knowledge. So the, the, it, we're not helping kids with what we're doing. So I come at it not so much from the ideological point of view. In other words, I'm not really hung up on ideology when it comes to school choice. I'm more focused on results. I want results. I want kids graduating who can at least read and multiply at a 12th grade level. That's all I'm asking That's for. It. And we're not getting that, unfortunately. Well, George, my goodness, we both got on the soapbox today, didn't we? <laughs> But uh, I think the, the Astros Go Rangers. Great, Go, Rangers. Yeah. Go Rangers. The Astros had a great season. I hear that Dusty Baker is uh, retiring. Oh. He's always been one of my favorites. And uh, I'm sure he probably wishes he could have retired differently. But 
He's had a great career, nevertheless, and he's always one of my favorites. I remember him as a player and, of course, as a manager. But, you know, it'll be fun next year. I'm sure the Astros will come back. The Rangers will come back. But right now, it's the Rangers and the World Series is here, George. So that's the story. <laughs> so have a have a good weekend. Thank and you. Uh, thank you so much for, as always, uh, joining us. What's your next trip? What do you got planned? Um, next trip is to San Angelo in two weeks. San Angelo. That's what, on I-10? That is I-10 and then north to uh, on 87. Okay. Northwest, Ooh. northwest of San Antonio. That's right. Yeah. That's the, by the way, I love that city. Love that name, San Angelo. What, what, a, what a better name than that. You go through, let me tell you, you go through West Texas and it is, I love it. I, I really, uh, you know, it is, uh, it looks like you're driving through Lonesome Dove. It's beautiful. <laughs> right. I love it. Yes. I remember that movie, The Rookie, about the baseball pitcher. Oh, yeah. I think he was actually teaching there in San Angelo. Yeah. I think that's where he was. And yeah, some I of it that's, in that area. Yeah, um, that's where he was. I think. The star is actually from Deer Park. Oh, okay. Uh, Houston. The he, fellow who played in the movie, you mean? Right. He's yeah. actually from Houston. But the pitcher, I think, was teaching in high school there in right. San Angelo. All right, George, have a great weekend. Have a good weekend. Uh, until the next time, go Rangers. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. George Rodriguez, our, our good friend from South Texas, talking about a lot of things. Talked a little bit about school choice. And I, I want to repeat something I said here to him. To me, the school choice debate is not ideological. I'm not hung up on left or right when it comes to the school choice debate. All I'm interested in is kids graduating who can read and write. And my problem right now is that the public schools, for a lot of reasons, and it's not the teacher's fault, by the way, not a teacher problem. It's the administration problem. And it's also a parent problem. Uh, there's not discipline, basically, in the lives of these kids. They're growing up in homes where there's no discipline. There's no respect for authority. And you cannot educate kids if there's no discipline or authority in the school. It's simply not going to happen. There has to be a respect for the teacher, respect for the administrators. Unfortunately, that's not happening. And that's the problem. So hopefully school choice can provide more and more kids the opportunity to graduate successfully with basic knowledge of math and reading and so on, so that they can go on and have a successful life in a world that is awfully competitive, awfully competitive. You know, we're not the lots of other kids around the world who are being educated to compete in this world. And our kids have got to be at that level if we want to be able to compete. Have a great weekend, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto. Have a great week, I should say. Have, every, have a good week, rest of the week. This is Silvio Canto in Dallas. And again, go Rangers. Talk to you later.